0: Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, I've cooked up something amazing with my friend Natalie Y. Beavers, founder of Angels of Epilepsy, and it's all yours for free now. Go to my website at uninvisiblepod.com and download your free ebook called Hacking Healthcare, a resource guide Natalie and I have compiled using not only our experiences in the healthcare system, but also with the assistance of other patient leaders who have added their two cents. From a message of empowerment to notes on navigating health insurance and your doctor's visit, This is an invaluable guide intended to make healthcare more approachable and to give you the tools you need to succeed. This resource has been incredibly eye-opening and important to us, and we hope that with it, you will see real results and improve your experience in the system. Once more, that's a free download of Hacking Healthcare at uninvisiblepod.com. Go check it out, guys. Thank you. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with Celine Tien. Celine is the founder and CEO of Flowly, which is a biofeedback app designed for people with chronic pain and chronic illness. And she's going to talk to us all about it. So, Celine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Absolutely. So for those who may not know, I'm working with you guys as a patient advisor, which is a really exciting role. And I wondered if you could give everyone tuning in some background on the company and the services that you provide through the app.
1: Yeah, so basically, we're a mobile platform. And at its essence, we teach users uh, how to better manage their nervous system by teaching them how to control their heart rate and their breathing. Um, and so this is implementing something called biofeedback, which you mentioned, and mm. biofeedback is a therapy that has been used for decades. Um, and it essentially just means you're able to see how your body is doing in real time. And then you're given the tools and the exercises to actually learn, okay, then how do I start to tweak my body so that I can feel better? And this is obviously helpful for, I mean, really everyone, but it is especially helpful uh, for people that do have chronic illnesses, chronic pain or anxiety. And that's basically our population we really focus in on. So, you know, there's exercises on the app that um, engage you in biofeedback. You actually put your finger on the back of your phone camera and we collect your real-time heart rate, your I beating. mean, that is so
0: cool
2: that <laughs> you can yeah. do
0: that on the phone. Like when I first did that, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's actually,
1: it's really awesome because it takes a therapy that's been pretty hard to access. And then now, basically right now it's just on the iPhone, but later this year it will be available on Android. So mm-hmm. soon everybody just with their smartphone will be able to do this obscure, but very effective feedback just right from your bed or couch at home. Yeah, Um, And then the other cool part of it is one of our subscriptions, we actually send you a virtual reality headset and then you can do all the experiences while you're completely immersed, you know, sitting on the beach with the Aurora lights above you, um, by the lakeside, literally on another planet. But basically what it does, it helps distract from maybe any anxiety or pain you might be experiencing in the moment, but also helps with long-term learning of the biofeedback because it's just very high stimulus and very engaging in a gamified way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's one of the things I love. I'm glad you brought up the VR aspect because with this VR headset that you get that you can basically put your phone into and it turns the headset into a VR headset, you've worked with an amazing... Animator and created worlds. So, like, you're giving us access to forms of meditation um, in order to track biofeedback. And really, like, it's biohacking, isn't it? Like, it's a really cool totally. thing that, yeah. So, like, you don't yeah. have to be chronically ill to use this app. Um, totally. It just happens that, like, if you're chronically ill, you'll probably see even more drastic benefits from it. But, like, these worlds are super immersive and all different and address different things, right?
1: No, it, exactly. And my co-founder, Narae Kim, she's one of the most awarded 3D designers. And it's been a really interesting and fruitful exercise in you know designing experiences that are at once effective therapeutically, but then really just freaking relaxing and yeah. fun. And I think that I mean, from our community base, I think that it's been really working. Um, And we work with University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and USC on designing a lot of the protocols and the programs, so that we make sure it is, you know, efficacious. But then on the other hand, we just want it to be fun and relaxing. Like at the end of the day, I think you know, I feel like health sometimes feels a little bit intimidating or scary or stressful, especially I know in our community of spoonies and chronic illness warriors that it's just, it becomes a very stressful point, but this is a way for you to kind of like release that. And you enter literally another world and embrace your health through something outside of yourself, but at the same time to learn how to control something inside of yourself.
0: Yeah. And I find that I even, because I respond so strongly to visual stimulus. I find that even if I'm not using the app, if I need to like calm down for a moment, sometimes if I close my eyes, I literally, am like imagining it now. Like I can imagine myself in those worlds because they're so fully immersible and, and easy to get into really.
1: No, you literally touched on the, one of the most, I think, amazing points of VR is that It really what we are able to do is create new neural pathways basically for you really fast and easily. And I remember we did case study subjects. We're in clinical trials right now, but we have done case studies. And one of our subjects, um, he had only done VR for maybe like one or two sessions and he was in church. He has really bad back pain for like 15 plus years and his back was flaring up. And his wife remembered what he had done in VR with us. And one of the experiences actually had a horse in them. And he was like, that's the one
0: I was thinking of. I was thinking of the comfort. Yeah, the
1: horse one. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, you know, hey, remember the horse, like whispering to him during service. And he said he closed his eyes for a moment and just recalled the environment, the horse, and immediately his pain started to go down. Um, and it's not voodoo in any way. It's literally just, he created a neural pathway where he was Mm. like, I created a trigger for myself with this visualization. My nervous system is literally learning
0: to relax. And that's what happened. Well, it's that it's like, even though it's not voodoo, it's actually like sort of understanding that your brain and body are capable of voodoo, like you're capable of Mm self-regulating if you have access to tools like this, which as you say, have been traditionally harder to access. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, why they're difficult to access or why they have historically been harder to access these biofeedback um, sort of techniques?
1: Yeah. So biofeedback, it's been used since like the seventies and eighties. It's been studied, you know, hundreds and hundreds of studies on this, but Traditionally, how it works is you have to go into a clinic, you need a biofeedback specialist, and then you have to get hooked up to like a bunch of sensors. And then the sensors connect to this big computer. And then you're able to see on the computer, like your real-time heart rate, your real-time breathing, sometimes even your EEG, you know, your brain waves. And then a physician or specialist walks you through relaxation exercises as you're looking at these graphs and says like, hey, start to breathe a certain way, start to do CBT in a certain way. And then you'll learn how your body changes as you're responding to these exercises. And eventually, you learn to do them on your own, basically, without biofeedback. Um, But normal biofeedback, it's hard to get someone to go into the clinic even once a month. Um, But you need to go into the clinic and do it for an hour once a month, or at least 18 months for it to work. And like to even find a clinic like this, is hard to find a computer setup like this is hard. And so essentially recent years, technology has made it possible for us to make it all very compact and mobile, um, which is something that we've been really excited about.
0: Yeah. You've kind of revolutionized access to these techniques because we don't need to make a doctor's appointment now in order to access biofeedback and to create these forms of relaxation for ourselves, which is super awesome. Can you talk to us also about how Flowly was founded and what your background is as a founding member, as the CEO? Yeah. So it really
1: was founded from my personal experience. My whole family is in the medical space and my father was actually the chair of neuroradiology and MRI at Duke. Um, And when I was growing up, Actually, still now, my parents are both engaged in biotech and they're running pancreatic cancer clinical trials. Pancreatic cancer in its terminal stages, um, some people might know, is extremely painful. So a lot of people close to me would actually pass away from morphine overdose and not the cancer itself. So pain management is something that my parents had actually worked on. Um, My father had passed two orphan drug designations specifically for pancreatic cancer pain And it's something that's always been in our conscious. Later on, fast forward, you know, I was kind of a rebel. I was like, no, I'm not going to go into the medical field (laughs) like my parents. And so I studied um, entertainment and film writing, and I worked at DreamWorks in China and the US doing interactive content development and animation. And there I got in touch with a lot of new technologies like VR and AR, which I thought was super cool. And I basically fell in love with VR. And I realized as we dug into it, that there have been decades of research using this technology for therapy and specifically for pain and anxiety. And that was like a no brainer for me. So we I at that time already had my co-founders. We worked together on a prototype. We had the chair of anesthesiology at UCLA come in and help us design the trials, the program, etc. And it just kind of
0: snowballed from there. It's so exciting. And I think it's so fascinating, too, that, you know, your background, like with your family that your parents sort of brought their work home in the sense that like you were connected to the patients that they were working with. And there was a really holistic experience there for you with patients, which says to me a lot about who your parents are as physicians as well. Yeah.
1: I actually love that you pick up, uh, picked up on that because my, my family's very not traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, I was homeschooled for like, Growing up, I wasn't, I was acting on sets for like most of my life growing up. So I had a very untraditional education, which meant that I was in the office with them. I would go to trials with them. I knew a lot of the patient's families. And I think that was a big thing for me as well was learning that pain, um, pain. And when I say that, I mean, physical, mental, social pain, it affects not just the individual, but also their caretakers and the families around them, which is why I think, when we built flow, we really wanted to build it holistically, like thinking about how do we address all parts of pain and how can it affect someone um, as a whole being? Because we are connected. Our body doesn't
0: work in silos and neither Mm. does our community. Yeah. I really love that perspective. And you're like so young and connected to all of this. And I'm like, How can I be cool like you?
1: (laughs) No, we, we really, we, my team and I, Nere, Julia, and my two other co-founders, we worked on this for, you know, a few years Mm -hmm. and we case-studied it. We worked in clinics ourselves and ministering this with nurses and doctors ourselves every single day for six months. Mm. And so we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of patients and everything I say about this space is really what I learned from the patients themselves. And that's when I learned that, you know, chronic illness, warriors, spoonies, like anybody that has experienced this, they've become so educated and resourceful Mm. and just so knowledgeable about this space that I respect them so much. And that's
0: basically how we've learned everything. Yeah, it's super, super cool. And and you're also super committed to inclusion. Like that's something that we've talked about a lot too. Like you're already making something that is either financially or logistically inaccessible to people accessible in the palm of their hands. But it's also that like you're looking at what is a free app up to a certain point and like making this something that is more affordable on a long-term basis as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. So like the first 8 intro sessions they're free, you can try them out. Um and then from there on out there is two types of subscription. Um however, our goal is in the long term for this to be reimbursed, but mm. you'd like you know, it that's a lengthy process especially in the US. Um and so we're going through trials, we're going through, you know, all the necessary regulation steps, but uh, in the meanwhile, we did want to release it direct yeah. to consumer and out of pocket for people that could
0: have the privilege of using it um, yeah. with the long-term
1: goal of making it even more accessible.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing about that too is that like, you know, a subscription to something like this on a monthly basis that you can budget out for and is a much lower cost than going to see a doctor for 20 minutes, you know, like that's, yeah, it's a world of difference in terms of cost, which in my mind makes things even though you will pay for them at a certain point, still makes them a lot more accessible to a lot more people. So that's a huge plus. Yeah,
1: for sure. And during yeah. um, during COVID, I remember a lot of our users would tell us that they used to spend you know seventy five to one hundred twenty five dollars on one acupuncture visit or chiropractor yeah. visit. Um, but especially with quarantine, they've had to stay at home or they couldn't go to these places. And mm. a lot of times Flowly is that place too, where they where Flowly is a platform that steps up for that yeah. um, because it's all remote and it's also significantly less expensive than solutions like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So are you guys working on new technologies as part of the app that you can tell us about? Are there going to be some new releases soon?
1: (laughs) There are so many things. Um, What I will say is that one of the things we recently released that I'm really excited about is for our pro subscription, we have a full data dashboard, mm. which means you can actually track everything from your resting heart rate, heart rate variability. You'll HRV, is something we talk a lot about in the app. So if you get get onto Flowly, you do even like two intro sessions, you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, you'll actually see your heart rate graphs, you'll see your breathing graphs, and a lot of our users have actually said using Flowly and seeing their data dashboard has incentivized them to actually go talk to their doctors because they're learning some new things about themselves, including. Yeah programs. So I think data, one of the, our core beliefs is that data when used in the right way can mm. really help us better our lives and help us understand ourselves better. So mm. we just collect what's necessary, which is, you know, your bio data, and then we show it to you and analyze it for you. Mm. Um, and of course, going forward, we're, collecting new, we're creating new technologies to create and develop um, and collect basically new data points for you to look at. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say on that point. But I will say we have <laughs> some cool new worlds coming up. Ooh. Um, and there's already like, I mean, close to a dozen worlds. So like having, yeah, yeah having yeah. Worlds,
0: like awesome.
1: And so, yeah, we, you know, we, ha- we just released one called like sunset sea. We're going to have yep. one that's like in deep space where you're traveling through space. Awesome. Um, just a bunch. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. And I love that between your imagination and Narei's imagination, like you guys have been able to, some of the worlds it's like, I go into them and I'm like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like there's this weird connection of like something about the experience feeling kind of universal. Like, I don't know how you guys have done that, but it's Pretty, it's, pretty, yeah, yeah. That's all I give Norei credit for that completely. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the world's art, like, like almost a little bit real, but I think a little more on the fantastical side because we wanted people. Like we didn't want to root it in anything that people couldn't relate to, but we can Mm -hmm. all relate to our imagination and we can all relate to something different. And I think that's, that's been really appealing for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, for sure. So also you guys have a community section so people can like post on a board and talk to other users in the app and like get tips and tricks. Like, was that in your minds, one of the first things that you wanted to develop when you were creating the app too, so that you could connect people who are having this experience together? So honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't at all. And then it was through, like I said, talking to
1: hundreds of patients that we were, we would ask them like, okay, what is it that you actually want? And, you know, obviously people would be like, oh, less pain or less anxiety, stuff like that. But actually, I think we actually collected survey data on this. The number one thing we got was more socialization because people felt really isolated. Um, This is, you know, pre pandemic, just in normal life, like isolated for various reasons, I think a lot of us could relate to. And that's when we started thinking, you know, pain is multifaceted pain is actually considered a biopsychosocial disease. And how do we address the social part? We have the and psycho part, but what about this other critical part? And so that's when the community really started to form. And so we wanted to think about what would be a positive manifestation of that. And the way that our forum kind of works, it's it's really based around personal experience and positivity and advice giving. Um, We even have people ask like, oh, what's the best pillow you sleep with? Like things like that, that would really help and share experiences with each other.
0: I love that so much. And like, I chime in there sometimes and I'm like, Hey, do you guys know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) So are you noticing any new trends in this area of healthcare that like, you're kind of leading on, like you're kind of at the forefront of like bringing VR into healthcare for patients and like doing biofeedback accessibility. Are there any new trends that are developing alongside what you guys are doing that you're seeing as the future of this kind of app and this kind of setup? Yeah,
1: I think the obvious answer would be remote care, like anything mm. that is done from home, tele- telemedicine, digital therapy. This is actually considered under FDA to be digital therapeutics, which is a new pathway. Mm. So it's definitely, in our view, the future. Um, medicine can be digital um, and digital platforms can be medicine. That's a way yeah. of thinking about it. It doesn't replace anything. It's not a substitution. These are all, we view these solutions and platforms as integrative and complementary to each other. So our users, you know, they are on medication. Some of them are not, it doesn't matter. Like they, you can do it together and they serve different needs. Mm. Um, I will say in terms of trends, what we've been really surprised is that there hasn't been more push to create these platforms for chronic conditions and chronic pain. I've been shocked. Yeah, how work there has been in this space. And I think that's
0: just so because of the way the medical system and like able bodied people view chronic conditions. Like, so many people are in denial about the numbers of people who are living with these kinds of disabilities. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mm. And I think one of the first things we learned, I'll use chronic pain as an
1: example, because that's a huge segment of the population. So technically one in three Americans have chronic pain. That's a hundred million people. Mm. Um, there is only like, I would say two or three apps on the Apple app store that that cater to that population. Barely any talk about it in mainstream media. Um, barely any celebrities that talk about it. And I use celebrities and it's as an example, because a lot of times they're like the loudest advocates, you know what I'm saying? And so I think one thing we've really realized is the pharmaceutical industry has really taken a strong hand in the branding and the way that we've kind of like slipped this issue under the rug because medication or not um, chronic pain is a condition worth researching about and worth studying and worth doing new methods and um, alternative treatments integrating with traditional treatments, Hmm. Um, but there has been barely any work in this space until kind of like the opioid crisis came about.
0: Well, the pharmaceutical (laughs) industry invented that crisis anyway. Exactly. And that's (laughs) no wonder they're quiet about chronic pain,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's just so unfortunate because whether or not that crisis was this, this is the real crisis, which is what's the underlying reasoning, which is like, there's Hmm. people in a lot of pain and how do we help them?
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like, you're also someone who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, living in an abled body and yet so aware of others and particularly other marginalized people um, who are living with pain. So as someone who is a Spoonie, I thank you very much. Can you tell listeners where they can access the app? Yeah. So you can find us um,
1: currently on the Apple app store and soon to be on Android devices as well. Um, you can also go on our website, www.flowly.world. Yeah. Um, and if you sign up with your email there, we'll give you updates on new features, um, you know, maybe new discount codes, things like that. Yeah. Um, check us out and we're official flowly on all social media pages. I love it. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with everyone? No pressure. No, I was just saying, I, this is what I always say is whether or not you use flowly. The one thing that has really been ingrained in my team is that you take the time in your day to really breathe. And Mm. one thing I always recommend is really trying nasal breathing, which is in and out of your nose, not in through your nose and out through your mouth in and out of your nose. Mm. Um, And I, we talk about it on the platform, why that's so important, but you can also look it up. Really take that time to
0: breathe. It's really important. Side note about that. I recently finally purchased for myself these nasal dilators they're called. Cause I have, I'm someone who like, when I breathe in the sides of my nose collapse, from the mm. pressure of the breathing in. And so like I'm taking in less oxygen and I've found that when I put the, di- like the dilators are like little baskets that sit in your nose holes. <laughs> yeah. I <I've laughs> keep that. Yeah. They keep the, the, the sort of collapse from happening and like enable you to take in more oxygen. And like, I feel like my brain is working on a, another level because of it. So I'm excited to now try them with the app as well and see how that changes. You should totally
1: And Lauren, if you haven't read, there's a book called the oxygen advantage, um, which talks a lot about that. It's so important. Like even when I work out now, even if it's high intensity, I don't breathe through my mouth. I'm, I'm training myself not to. My mother takes a whole different level. My, my family, they're very health conscious, obviously. And, um, my mother tapes her mouth when she sleeps. So that she breathes only in and out of her nose, even when she's
0: sleeping. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, that's been a whole thing for me because I have obstructive sleep apnea, you know? Yeah. When I first got my CPAP, I had to like put a big bandage around my head to keep my mouth closed. Now it's pretty much like I've retrained myself, but it's a learning curve. And like what our bodies remember when it's become habit, you know, it's hard to change that. But I love that you're a biohacker and like doing that for your better health, but also encouraging other people to do it. It's- Super cool. So guys, check out Flowly. Um, It's an awesome app. I will happily put my stamp of approval on it. And Celine, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks, Lauren.
0: I am here today with Yael Elish. Yael is the founder of Stuff That Works. She's an entrepreneur and was also part of the founding team at Waze as well as head of product. Um, So she's got quite an interesting background in tech and moving into this health tech space. And we're excited to talk to her about Stuff That Works. So Yael, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us.
3: Hi, very happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about what Stuff That Works is and the service
3: that you provide through the platform? Sure. Um, So uh, on Stuff That Works, what we do is empower people uh, with chronic conditions to join forces and basically create a knowledge base for every chronic condition that's automatically analyzed um, to figure out which treatments work best and for who. So basically any, anyone suffering from a chronic condition can decide that they're coming onto the platform and opening a research community for their condition and by simply inviting other people to contribute information in a structured way that we've organized. They um, very easily create knowledge bases for their condition that are automatically analyzed on three chronic conditions and which work best and for who. It's basically a personalized way to learn about treatments. The the space that we're in is called real world evidence. It's a very, very big buzzword in the medical world because everyone is realizing that all the information about treatments and and the effectiveness of treatments comes from uh, mostly pharmaceutical uh, um, clinical trials that are extremely limited in the number of people that it covers, and uh, also in the fact that they are controlled and they're not—they're very far from representing the very complex uh, nature of life and how people experience, you know, the, the condition and treatments in real world. So, what's really needed is data in large numbers coming from people in the real world about, um, you know, themselves and about the the treatments that they've tried and, and, uh, you know, what works best and for who at the end of the day. And that can only be done in mass numbers, which is extremely costly. And this is where crowdsourcing is at its best, solving very big problems that otherwise cannot be solved.
0: Mm. I I find it really fascinating because it's finally sort of bridging the gap, isn't it, between anecdotal information that patients share in their own communities and, as you say, these large-scale research studies, so really bridging the gap with numbers. So you're able to do that by providing this platform that generates data through AI, and it's, in that sense, really not biased either, except that the patients are providing this information freely.
3: Mm, very interesting. Exactly. So yeah. what's happening is if you're diagnosed with a chronic condition, and I don't know, the number is about 10,000 different chronic conditions, uh, you usually are not getting the optimal treatment because there isn't such data. So you're kind of being treated on a trial and error basis, right? You try one thing, it doesn't work, you get the next, and you're usually not on the optimal treatment for you. If you go to Facebook groups, uh, Facebook has 500,000 uh, health-related groups. So every one of those 10,000 chronic conditions uh, has uh, tens of Facebook groups where people are coming together and they'll do two things. One is support related discussions. And the second thing is just asking again and again, you know, have you tried this? What do you think about that? But the information is not shared in a way that can, you know, that someone can make sense of because it's not structured. So the idea with Stuff That Works is to do exactly the same thing. People come together, but they share the information from the get-go in a way that's structured and and optimized for analysis. Now, if you think about it, once you do that, and you do that for all conditions at the same time, basically, we already have 150 different conditions on Stuff That Works and 250,000 people that have contributed about 60... um, Answers or uh, answered sixty questions each. You get a very massive database that's consistent across all conditions, and it it gives you information much beyond the one condition. It also gives you a lot of information about how the different conditions interconnect, which is is really when it gets really amazing. So, we now have twelve million data points on stuff that works about all the different uh, those one hundred and fifty different chronic conditions. And it's, it's providing really invaluable data. It's, it's really formidable.
0: And this is data also that can be used not only by patients to optimize their treatments, as you've said, but also by practitioners. If they're able to reference what the patients are sharing there on the platform, to be able to, instead of doing this fail-first method, um, as you mentioned, to actually be able to potentially go straight into what is potentially
3: a more optimized solution for their patients, too. Exactly. So we've been we've done a lot of work. Uh, so the quality of the data is really important to us. So very early on, we've done a lot of work uh, in validating the quality of the data and the quality of the data is really very high. And what we've done is compared our data to what's known uh, as medical as um, uh, consensus documents and uh, and guidelines. And we're seeing that it's representing very well. Uh, 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 these two. So the data is very high quality data, and once you have data in quantities, and um, many of our conditions have crossed the thousands of contributors, it means that uh, you really get amazing insights. So uh, you start seeing uh, a effectiveness of treatments. So comparative effectiveness of treatments. We most of our conditions are already ranking the effectiveness of the different treatments. Um, the way it works, by the way, is that, um, so people start their own communities and as the communities grow in terms of the numbers of contributors, the data automatically becomes more and more, um, personalized and interesting. So in the very beginning, it automatically forms just knowledge bases about the condition. What are the symptoms? What are the early symptoms? What are the triggers? What are the different treatments? So when you get to about, um, 100 contributors, uh, you will get a list of all the different treatments organized by most tried. And then at about 500 contributors, the list of treatments will now be sorted by most effective. And then at about 2000 contributors, you can see the effectiveness, the different effectiveness for different subgroups in the the population. And at about 10,000, it becomes what will be a prediction, an AI prediction of what will be effective for you. And in addition to that, because we already have this massive database that's cross-conditioned, we, we already know, you know, um, um, what is the level of match of every person to other people in the condition, basically. So the AI algorithms are already detecting misdiagnosis, uh, for example, like, and things like that. And it's very interesting, we created a, a map of like uh, every person in the map representing a like being represented on as a dot on the map, so you can see the different chronic conditions and you can see how you know some uh chronic conditions are extremely noisy in the potential misdiagnosis, so many people are you know well others are more a little bit more you know clear and so on uh but that's that's really just by by having. This data that's very deep for every person and is cross-condition across like we we collect it in the same way across all those the different chronic conditions.
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely addressing that issue of bias as well. Um, in that you have AI that is you know designed not to be biased, um, and this idea that you're catching misdiagnosis for people is super exciting because it sounds like this is something that could also influence clinical guidelines in the future possibly as well
3: yeah exactly so so it's like more than one so usually what you see in in tools today that do diagnosis is that they create a kind of a rule based system based on existing knowledge clinical knowledge basically representing kind of the decision making tree that's known today and that's taught in the medical world. We're doing the actually the opposite because diagnosed people are the ones sharing information on stuff that works so we know that all the people that we have have already been diagnosed. And now when we do the reverse thing is that, okay, this is a diagnosed person. These are all the people. And now basically we can um, do do the reverse thing, but based on smarter data, because those people have, are sharing the real information about who they are in the real world. Like all the tiniest details about like how the symptoms, their specific symptoms and so on. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's very important to remember that the medical literature was written tens of years ago based on, like, by people, like, hand-curated, basically. Uh, and that's very, very far from what's needed, like, the complexity of how every chronic condition is represented in every person, the different symptoms, different treatments that, like across different like age groups, gender, and so on, so this is like the first time that we're like, feeling very excited about the fact that we have the opportunity to recreate basically the knowledge base for every condition in a more you know in mass numbers
0: absolutely, yeah. and and those numbers, as well as your design of the AI. Are providing further validation for patients, I imagine too, because there are so many of us who are living with chronic conditions where the chief complaint is that people aren't taking us seriously or we're not being believed. Um, And to be able to find community among others who are in the same boat, but also to be able to really optimize the direction of your treatment as well as your diagnosis, this has got to be something that's a huge relief to a lot of people in the community.
3: Definitely, yes, definitely. Mm. I think that you know, it's one of the most frustrating things on earth could be suffering uh, from something and not getting the validation, um, like from the, you know, simplest angle uh, possible of just feeling something that you're that is not being validated by someone you live with. But definitely, when you're in pain and not getting the validation, uh, is is a terrible thing. And this is why, you know, uh, at Stuff That Works, that we see it as a as a vision. You know, I came to, I started Stuff Stuff That Works after a significant um, exit with Ways. I was kind of sure that I'm going to be kind of in retreat and doing interesting things. But then, when this idea sort of somehow came to mind, and you realize that there's really a potential for for you know making something very significant for people, because uh, the, the thing is that you you stop being dependent on people. You empower people to do something very simply that they could otherwise not do. So all you need to do as someone who's, you know, who's interested in, in doing something for your condition and learning something is just, you know, sharing a link and inviting people to, you know, answer and, and con- contribute information and everything else just happens automatically. Um So I'm, you know, I'm, I have this detective nature of like, I want to know, I'm like extremely frustrated when I don't know. Uh, I started stuff that works because my daughter had a chronic condition very early uh, when she was young, not one of the life threatening ones, but every chronic condition has a very heavy toll on, on the person and on the family. And it was just getting worse and worse. And um, we were giving one treatment and a different treatment and and specialists and so on. And um, somehow I had this like um, intuition that there has to be something out there. And I just kept researching. It was a long time ago, I think, before even Facebook groups. It was like uh, probably 10 years ago. And it took me about two years. And I, I searched almost every night. And after two years, I ended up finding something that once we... Found the equivalent doctor or like where we live that treats this uh, in that specific uh, way, and it's medicine. It's not some vo- voodoo or something. It got resolved within three weeks. So, wow. and then it happened again with her, and that's uh, and and uh, and then again with. I had more time, and I was helping people, and I saw that it's um, it's just that you know people. There's, like, we know from our data now that there are about three hundred different treatments for every chronic condition, You need wow. treatments for every chronic condition. It's a lot to sort through for a patient, let alone a <laughs> caregiver. <laughs> right. And not all of them are, you know, some of them are like, if you go to a doctor, you get, uh, uh, um, you get drugs. If you go to a psychiatrist, you get drugs. If you go to a psychiatrist, you get, uh, you know, uh, and if you go to alternative, you get alternative. If you go to a surgeon, mm-hmm. you get surgery. So nobody really takes all this uh, together and, and, uh, and nobody, and they, they don't really know, you know, it's a lot of information. Uh, there's so much new things, new um, new products, new information, new, no one person, the best doctor on earth can have all this combined knowledge. So I think it's very smart, you know, it's very important for people to know that, you know, it's not, <laughs> there's not much science behind hmm, the way you're being treated everything that you do today, if you buy a product, if you have an app, if you, you know, I don't know, delivery services, whatever, they are so, you know, there's so much science behind ad serving, like every possible aspect has so much more tech than, than, than medicine today. Yeah. You know, in terms That's of so data, true. Talking about data. Yeah uh and and people don't know you think you know you think you're you know you're going to someone who knows a lot and yes yeah and sometimes
0: you need you need the I mean what I love about this is that this is tech this is AI that can help humans you know that that it's not saying that you know our humanity is a fault here but it is that you know, as you say, a lot of these studies that have been done in the past, clinical trials, et cetera, they're based on old information that was curated by humans who can be faulty, you know, whereas this AI is going to be more targeted for individuals as well as for, for practitioners.
3: Um, clinical trials are great, they're, but they're done on only certain... So, so, so it 's extremely costly that the clinical trials are like fifty thousand dollars per person, so the cost is so high um, that the number would be you know a hundred people would, would undergo a clinical trial and um, and the, the environment is a controlled environment, so one hundred people is not representing cannot represent the complexity of what happens later on in the real world. Mm. And the different people, so it's well, not that, that, that all the files time. are yeah. not, are, you know, old or or, or or faulty. It's just that they cannot represent what's what's actually going on. And 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 then this is only uh, drugs. You know, different, many, many, many different possibilities out there that are not being researched, and there's no data, so doctors do not have evidence-based information to to use and treat. Take for example, meditation. Meditation. Uh, until a while ago, was not really something that was um, uh, recommended by by doctors because there was no evidence behind it. Once it started getting researched, um, it's becoming one of the most um, recommended uh, uh, treatments for more, most chronic conditions. Um, and that's actually something that's not a drug. That's uh, Meditation is actually fixing the way the brain works. It doesn't cover up for some, um, mm. uh, well, the way the, the brain works. So it's, yeah. It's not a band aid.
0: It's actually creating neural pathways exactly. for many of us. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Okay. Exactly. And and this is, you know, it's critical information. It's extremely important information. What we're seeing on stuff that we're doing is that we're seeing that we're, this, we're seeing information that becomes then proven in the medical world, but very early on. And we've seen that in a couple of, uh, uh, thanks for just DBT, for example. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, treatment was initially developed for borderline personality disorder. Borderline, borderline personality disorder. But now you're seeing that being reported across many conditions as a very effective treatment. As a, many mm-hmm. mental conditions, just, uh, um, borderline, and that's that's you know, sign known. Um, and so that's
0: something that happened early on that you guys saw that trend. Are there other trends that you're seeing in general across the platform? You know, whether it regards certain conditions or
3: treatments. So we're so we're opening up the platform, by the way, to to research, uh, which is. Um, to to for free for medical research on real world evidence uh, for free. But the doctors that are looking at the platform are seeing you know ver- signals that are surfacing you know even to data that's available to to users on the platform. We do something uh, called, um, for example, for uh, comorbidities. So when we provide a description of the the data uh, description of a condition. Uh, There's a section called the comorbidities. What are the comorbidities or the coexisting conditions reported together with this X condition? Um, So we show the most reported comorbidities, but then we have a section that's called most indicative. Most indicative is basically an AI analysis that's that's measuring um, like a certain comorbidity can be reported many t- by many people for a specific condition, but it's not necessarily an indicative. It's not predictive. A predictive comorbidity for a condition, and that's something that surfaces. That's very interesting. That that is um, a surface to, to users. So, um, just the other day, a doctor that we were working with uh, was looking at Crohn's, and he saw. Uh, asthma as being an indicative condition, coexisting condition with with Crohn's, and he said he's a like is a specialist gastro. He said we we were not familiar with that. That's totally new for me. I wasn't aware at all of asthma as a comorbidity uh, together with Crohn's. And he went up and looked uh, in the literature and in, the, in the PubMed and and found that there's a like a, a a couple of researchers that are pointing to that. So those are things that surface, um, you know, at no cost uh, when a research like that is very costly and very time consuming. So it's um, It's very exciting. A lot of insights are just surfacing very, um, very simply to everyone before even you get to significant research.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so exciting, this Idea that we can finally be ahead of the curve, especially for those of wow. us who are you know living I know, wow, wow, like this idea this is, is so new to us.
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny because the the tagline when I was thinking about, by the way, the name stuff that works, was so the reason we called it Stuff that works, and it's because because people know, you know, people know, and you transform this knowledge into data. this gets you ahead of the curve, just like you said. And like the tagline that I was thinking about was leveling the playing field because patients or people will now have more knowledge than doctors. This is how I feel about it. At least the same level, if not more on certain domains, right? On Mm -hmm. the domains that that interest you you for what you want to learn about the condition and about other people experiencing the condition and especially about the treatments, the treatments that work best or not. And and then now we will also reverse that to possibly, um, you know, identifying that you're misdiagnosed or potentially diagnosing you better once the data is, uh, as we're seeing now, already hmm. there. So this is where we feel, you know, empowering people, empowering people. I, I like, yeah. you know. That, that's I love me. that.
0: Well, and <laughs> I also, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's also, we hear this buzzword patient-centered care all the time in discussions about healthcare, especially here in the U.S. And it seems to me that like, this is the answer for patient-led care. You know, if you want patients to take the lead, patients are not normally empowered or, or have systems in place that enable them to collate data At this scale. And this is exactly the gap that you're filling with stuff that works is that you're literally handing the power over to patients because you're asking them to provide information so that we can all better serve ourselves. And if the medical
3: community responds, then even better. And they respond. We have very, very strong, strong support from the medical uh, community. By the way, amazingly, all the way to cancer. When I started this, I thought that, you know, some conditions are, you know, taken care of. Yeah. Diabetes, heart, definitely cancer. And now we're getting approached by organizations that are saying, hey, it's not, this is, it's not the case. You know, we don't know, we don't have centralized data about effectiveness of treatments in cancer, even the biggest cancers. The information is kept within the hospitals, w- w- the places that take care of that. There's no centralized place where the medical establishment is actually seeing large data. Large data safe, even for cancer, which to me was just really yeah. shocking. Um,
0: it's it's so interesting because, like, as a patient, you're to you, you're it's shocking. To me, I'm like, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> <You know, laughs> this is the difference in because having experienced it from within the system, I'm like, yeah, you know, like we know that, especially in healthcare, you have to follow money trails too because the agendas are are really structured by whoever is providing the funding. So whether that's a pharmaceutical company or even an individual or organization, and these all really influence outcomes at the end of the day. And this is one of those things with stuff that works that like, that's not even playing a role. So that's, what's even more exciting that like being that it's a free platform for people, you know, that's something where you don't have to worry about corporate interest having an influence or anything like that. It's literal data.
3: It's probably the most unbiased kind of data you can get. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's exactly the thing. And and you know, you can't argue with data. That's the, the, the good thing, is that you cannot go to a doctor that at the end of the day, data is data. This is why I was saying we are not we don't do not uh you know the 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 organization is a data driven organization. We're not a medical. We have medical advisors, but the essence is how do you collect data? How do you analyze data? That's pretty much it. So the data is, by the way, we collect data from from scratch using. Open answers so what are your symptoms? We do not want to give you a list of symptoms we want to create new data so we're asking asking what what symptoms do you experience and this open answer gets transformed into structured data so it gets normalized and and, and transformed into structural data that's basically forming this new knowledge base and again as i said consistent across all conditions so this is what makes it even in even more powerful because it's not only you're not seeing in like a narrow view of one condition you're seeing you know the the like a broader picture of the interconnection between the different uh, chronic conditions but at the end of the day it's a data organization it's data scientists product people um Uh, Coming together and medical advisors, but medical advisors again—they—they're not even—they don't have a say. It takes them a long time until they're they're even understanding (laughs) the 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 structure of the whole thing of the data. Yeah. Um. And and with numbers, you cannot argue, which is what Mm. you know we really like about that. There are issues always with biases. Uh, There is also interesting ways to um, deal with biases, but they're definitely smaller in large numbers. Mm. Uh, and when, when you're, you know, technologically addressing them, uh, there, there are more ways to deal with, with biases. Uh, but again, it comes that, it comes back to large number and distribution. Um,
0: yeah. And it sounds like you're doing all you can to really eliminate those biases too, in collating this data, which is exciting. Are you working on any new products or technologies, Associated with the current technologies you're using that you can talk to us about as well?
3: Uh, so, the platform is very, very broad. I mean, in terms of a service, there are a lot of features when you go into the product, uh, when you join a community or uh, your condition on stuff that works, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. So, there's the AI that uh, collects the data, analy- analyzes, and shares the data back, but there's also uh, social features like um, like a discussion board and chat. And there's also a way to add a research question, basically to post your research questions that's being sent to everyone and the answers are being added to everyone's basically original responses. So this is people's way of adding specialized information to the condition database, basically. Uh, but this is the, the, the environment of the condition. The... Um, the next things that we're doing is um, the providing this view, this map of chronic conditions, um, where the map is created from those dots who are individuals on the map, and where you basically can see where you are, where the people that are closest to you, like most similar to you, are. How does it fit into the the conditions uh, world? And um, a very powerful search where you can search anything on the data. So it can be, you know, a condition, a symptom, uh, a treatment, a treat, the particular treatment for uh, people who've tried this treatment in a specific condition, people that have this condition and this condition that have tried this. And then you can contact, you can see their report and you can contact them. Oh, that's great. um, You can see where they fit on the map and and things like that.
0: Well, and I imagine also you can then track environmental data in the sense that, you know, certain locations, certain environments may actually influence the uh, prevalence of a certain condition or something like that.
3: Exactly. So this is where, this is another direction that we're working on, which is adding uh, basically geo layers. So uh, climate weather, light, you know, uh, and all that, that, Absolutely. that has a lot of a significant effect on, on chronic conditions. And, uh, mm. and it's, it's, that's easy because it's added to everyone's database. So once yeah. you have, we're opening APIs, allowing also to, to add more information to the data. Mm. Uh, mm. but then later on we are also allow you to integrate uh, your medical records, wearable devices and, and, uh, images imagery and so on so that's very exciting we're now starting only with the surveys so the core surveys about covering pretty much everything about you but it's going to get like more in depth uh, into everything but i think that what's exciting to us is that we are already seeing that we can predict with 85 percent accuracy um the, the basically the diagnosis so we can diagnose, I mean, wow. with 80, 85% accuracy. That's
0: because pretty high for accuracy. I mean, I would say well, most doctors system. can't even be 85% accurate, <laughs> <laughs> you know?
3: But but it's because we have this ability to see a large number of people that are diagnosed. So we train our machines basically to learn what is diagnosed. And then we can also test ourselves because we have more people coming in where they're also you know, we know what they're diagnosed with. So we check whether we are predicting correctly, and this is how we, we're basically doing. So mm-hmm. this, I think, is opening up like the very, very exciting directions. Yeah. Um,
0: it sounds people. like you're like, able as much to zoom in as you are to zoom out. And having that more global perspective is something that we are needing more in medicine, that we're needing more as patients. Um, So, I mean, it's all just, very, it's very exciting for me. And I'm sure everyone listening is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I
3: I think, you know, this thing about uh, chronic conditions, uh, diagnosing you like one dimensioning with one, two or three conditions is somehow limited is all because it's all, it's usually more kind of intertwined, you know, it's like, Mm. it's more complex. It's more complex than just having a diagnosis. So when you put it on a map, of similarity with other people and conditions, you get a, a better um, sense. So I, I, the, the thing I like about it is like we're kind of getting a little bit away from the traditional, we will keep having obviously all the, the diagnosis, what you're diagnosed with, and, you know, showing everything based on the current knowledge base of, of you know, names of chronic conditions. But when you see it on a map, it gives another dimension um, you know, where exactly you are, like how close you are maybe to something different <laughs> on the map while yeah. you're still diagnosed with, with this thing. And this is how the AI at the end of the day will discover, you know, what, what are the effective treatments and for who well, based and on it sounds similar to other people. Yeah, and it sounds like this is
0: also inching us closer to genetics and epigenetics and the role that they play. I mean, we know, right, that genetic testing is very expensive. It's often... Well, not often, uh, you know, that doctors will suggest genetic testing immediately for patients who have chronic conditions, and yet it can be the most accurate predictor of possible comorbidities for various conditions. So this is something where you don't have to take the genetic test that might cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars, um, but you might be able to say, all right, if I have this condition, it's very likely that I may also have these other three or four comorbidities. So to be looking into those and requesting those tests from your doctors um, I guess part of that work is also in, in encouraging the doctors to check out the research and, you know, to get them to say yes to a lot of these tests as well, but it certainly is a way to more inexpensively bring us closer to knowing ourselves better.
3: Uh, hopefully. Yes. I, I, I think it's definitely the way let's say that the more, again, the more people it's up, this is where it's really up to people. The more people participate, the better it gets. It's, um, it's as, as simple mm. as that. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, where can uh, listeners access Stuff That Works? How can they start doing research and contributing to it as well? So Stuff That Works is at stuffthatworks.health, and uh, you can search for your chronic condition. It's either an open community uh, with contributors and, and content, or it hasn't been opened yet and you can start it by yourself.
0: That's amazing. And what would you ask listeners today? Is it, that they log on and and log their symptoms and, and diagnoses?
3: So basically, to join your uh, condition, and you'll you'll have a, a survey. that joining meaning means that you're participating in a um, uh, in a survey that um, where you share at least uh, fifty to sixty um, pieces of information about the condition about uh, how it affects you specifically about the treatments that you've tried about the treatments that have worked and once you do that you also get personalized information or increasingly personalized information. it's important to know that in crowdsourcing the beginning is there's no value up front as but as it grows as more contributors are on board so the small conditions are more in the building phase and they learn more about the condition and as it grows as more contributors contributors join, then the data becomes more and more personalized and gets into the effectiveness of, um, of treatments. Uh, but it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, from the very early stages, it's actually pretty pretty interesting. Even like the, the simplest information about, you know, the symptoms, triggers, uh, comorbidities, the indicative ones, the least less indicative ones, the treatments, mm. even before getting to effectiveness, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And, I and roughly how, then- helped- oh, go ahead, go ahead. I said talking again. to people like meeting talking to people seeing their reports when when you contribute you you get this report about like the information that you shared and people can see each other's report and it's it's and contact each other and um it's extremely helpful that we we hear that a lot how how much of a relief mm. it is to see people and to be able to interact with people like you
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and how long roughly, I know you said that it's like 50 to 60 questions and sort of the initial intake. Do you know roughly how long it takes to fill out that form? I suppose it depends
3: how many diagnoses you have too. Yeah. It should take about 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's
0: not too time consuming. This is a great way for Everyone tuning in to get involved from a research perspective without having to enroll in a clinical trial, um, but to support research and you know our influence on healthcare and and the, literally the patient voice. That's literally what we're doing here. Exactly, amazing. And a reminder that uh, you can find stuff that works at stuffthatworks.health. Yeah, El, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today, and I'm so excited for everyone who's tuning into the show to try out the platform and uh, get involved.
3: Thanks, Laura. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Okay, guys, I want to talk about coaching. I recently connected with an awesome executive and life coach, and her name is Jenna Chieco, a graduate of Dr. Martha Beck's program with a background in psychology and law. She's a former tech general counsel and chief of staff who also worked for the Obama administration. Jenna inspires clients to step into their best lives by helping them access their inner strengths, clear the cobwebs holding them back, and cultivate a dream big growth mindset. She is also a life Sherpa for navigating change. You know who I know who has big dreams and is navigating massive changes now more than ever with coronavirus? We Spoonies. Jenna works virtually and she's offering 10% off to new clients who enroll and mention code INVISIBLE. Her rates are reasonable and she's dedicated to help us rise to the top. Go to jennachieco.com, that's G-E-N-A-C-H-I-E-C-O.com for more. I'm here today with Dave Korzanski, who's the founder of Heads Up Health. He's going to tell us all about it. Um, And it's really all about keeping all your health data in one place, um, which for those of us with complicated medical records is pretty important. Mm -hmm. So Dave, thank you so much for joining
2: us. Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Total pleasure. So why don't you tell us about Heads Up Health, why you founded it, and exactly what it is uh, about these services that you provide that would really help our listeners on the show.
2: Sure. Yeah. There's, there's a couple things really that brought me down this path. Like many people, I, I had a long career in the corporate world, in the tech industry, in Silicon Valley. And I became very intrigued with the idea of how I can use technology and data to perform at a higher level mm. at, at my job. So I got swept up in this whole notion of quantified self at the time. This was way back in 2011, 2012, long before this whole, market of digital health stuff had had gone mainstream. And so I got very comfortable with the notion of measuring my, my own body's parameters. And then it was not too long after that where I went through some health challenges that actually were not easy to diagnose. And what I was dealing with was essentially called maladaptive stress syndrome. Which basically means your body's no longer able to process the stress in a a healthy, normal way. And the things that used to help me eliminate stress, exercise, going out with friends, actually got to the point where they started working against me. So I got into this situation where I didn't really know what to do. Went to my regular doctor. I've lived all over the country. I don't know where the heck my records were. He told me I'm fine. Get out of the office. And so that's where I really started digging into the numbers. And there was a part of me that just really wanted to have some objectionable data on this path. So that, first of all, I, I wasn't getting the help I needed from the medical community. So I took it into my own hands to get all my labs put together. And so I could see what was happening with my thyroid, where there were some undiagnosed thyroid things. And I worked with a functional medicine doctor, and they were able to help me with some issues in my digestive system that had been undiagnosed. Pretty serious infection in there that no one tested for. So I was able to use the numbers as my sanity, because as people listening to this show I'm sure are aware you ask the same health question to 10 people and you'll get 500 different answers. And so, like, how do you find some sanity? And for me, the sanity was the numbers. So I, I could use the numbers as my baseline and then start to gather information and try different things and reference the numbers again. and And I realized, wow, this was really helpful for me personally. And it became my life's work to make this available for anybody else who needs it.
0: It's really important that people know about, you know, creating sort of that story to share with your doctors, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That people who Mm -hmm. are dealing particularly with chronic health issues, particularly with complex health issues, um, are going to need to have all their medical records in one place so that as they meet new specialists, as they go to various doctors, as you did, but you had to do this all for yourself, and I think a lot of people in the Spoonie community are doing that for themselves, but wish that there were an easier way to do it, right? And that's exactly the problem that you found a solution to.
2: Yeah, well, I did it the hard way. I had to phone my doctors and I got a bunch of stacks of papers in the mail. And then I had to go through and parse out all the lab test results and put them in a spreadsheet, just so I could try to look at my own freaking health data. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the state of affairs in healthcare. It's like, it's probably the most important data for me as a human on planet earth. And it took me like an act of God to get it into a spreadsheet. So I could look (laughs) at the trends on my freaking thyroid numbers. Yeah. So um, the good news is it's a lot easier now and uh, there's now ways we can do this for people electronically. Mm. So you can sign up for the service and, Actually, just yesterday, the federal government made some rule changes that are going to make it required by law that these healthcare software companies make it easier for people to do what our app does. So we can sync up all your data now electronically. Mm -hmm. And within a few minutes, we can put together all your blood work and give you some really nice charts to work from. And actually, you'll have something that's probably 10 times more powerful than your doctor does because we put all your history back together. Mm. even from the providers that uh, are long gone, but they still have your medical data. And then what we also focus on is helping people measure their lifestyle choices. Mm. And so we integrate a blood pressure monitor and your nutrition logs from MyFitnessPal. So you can start to make lifestyle modifications Mm. and quantify it and then see if it moves the needle on the labs
0: Really That's amazing.
2: kind of like the way we put the um, feedback loop together for people.
0: Yeah. So what year did you actually launch Heads Up Health? How long has it been around?
2: I, I had the idea as far back as 2011. Mm-hmm. And I remember just kind of working on it in, in my spare time. And, and I still have some of the original sketches I wrote for the user mm-hmm. interface. And um, I think we actually started writing code in early 2015. I was still in the corporate world full-time at that point.
0: Right.
2: And um, it took us about two years to get something that we could launch as a beta. And this was just kind of like a hobby at the time. And uh, so I'm like, okay, we'll put it out there. I'm like, I don't care if anybody uses it. It's just something I I needed to build. I had yeah. to scratch an itch. So threw it out there in like 2017. I'm like, nah, eh, whatever. Hopefully somebody sends me an email, a nice email, and says this this helped them. And that was pretty much my only criteria for success. I didn't go That's in there with a, a ton <laughs> of expectations to, like, do much with it. And um, and then it started growing. And uh, mm. people started using this to, to self-analyze their health. And yeah. And it fills a, an important gap because – your doctor has a limited amount of time to look at your health records when you come in the office. They're not going to sit at home and look for patterns, and they're not going to go on PubMed and research stuff for you. So people started using it, and then it just kind of took on a life of its own. So we've been at it since, since uh, 2015, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly.
0: Yeah, it's really wonderful. So at this point, you're you're very well established, and um, you know we're gonna share at the end of this interview where people can find you. But it's really exciting news for people who are sick, of carrying around a million pieces of paper and can't find their old test results and things like that. So, can you tell us if there are any trends that you're noticing in this area of healthcare in this concept of? the collection of medical records. What are you seeing that um, that are, are trends that are cropping up now in 2020?
2: Well, I think that you see an incredible amount of people who are very comfortable starting to go on social media and find communities where they can share ideas. And I think that can be very powerful. It can also be maddening, and again, that's why it's helpful to have some data so you can put your BS detector on and and decide, okay, is this something I want to try or not? But people are becoming incredibly comfortable with the idea of going out and researching health solutions on their own. And I came back from the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and all the big tech companies, all the big healthcare companies are saying the same thing. Wow the power dynamics in healthcare are shifting to the consumer because it's so easy for the consumer, quite frankly, to get access to digital health technology and data to understand their bodies in ways that are actually quite powerful. And they can see the 24 seven, 365 physiological changes in their body with an Apple watch and a scale and a glucometer, and they can go order their own lab tests online. And for 50 bucks, if the doctor won't order your fasting insulin test. So it's really a, a shift of power in, towards individuals. And then I'm equally excited about the technology that we can go just get access to, like a simple heart rate variability test.
3: Absolutely.
2: That, that's something you used to have to go to the hospital to get. And now I can buy something for 29 bucks and get like incredible HRV data. And, like, people now know what HRV is. You know, it's not just for (laughs) Olympic athletes anymore. People are like, hey, okay, if I do X, my HRV numbers go up. I feel way better. So it's just those are the trends I see. I think they're super helpful. We need this now more than ever because so many health issues that we're dealing with are a result of lifestyle choices.
0: That's such a good point, yeah.
2: If we can learn how to reverse the bad choices that got us sick in the first place, which we can now do. That's an exciting trend.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think this idea of individualism in healthcare is, that's the one that we're sort of, we're we're seeing. And, And as you're saying, you know, people being able to find communities online, it is so exciting. So are you working on any new products or technologies related to Heads Up that you can tell us about as well?
2: Yeah, we just launched uh, a version of Heads Up for healthcare professionals and coaches and nutritionists and functional medicine doctors and naturopaths. These are the types of practitioners who are actually quite interested in seeing your data. And they're not going to dismiss it when you come in with a spreadsheet. And they they do want to see your blood sugar readings and your HRV data and your deep sleep numbers. Yeah. because they operate in a different model. So we just launched a version that is available to health coaches and and functional doctors where they can connect to their clients profile on our system and provide interpretation and coaching based on these numbers. So that's a product that we um we just launched and then we're always on the lookout for the coolest new health tech. So we integrated the aura ring. We integrated the keto module meter. We just integrated the BioSense. Like whenever there's a cool device that helps people understand their body, we plug it in so that it shows up on your dashboard. So um, we're always on the lookout for cool stuff there.
0: Very cool. And it's great that you're integrated with so many other products, which makes it, very easy for people to integrate into their lives as well. Yes. So, can you tell listeners where they can access Heads Up Health and your services?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, we're on we're online at headsuphealth.com, and you can try out our software for free for thirty days. We don't require a credit card at all. You can try everything, and if you like it, you subscribe, and if you don't like it. Fine, you can use a spreadsheet. <laughs> go back to the spreadsheet. Yes, uh, you could
0: go back to that sort of yeah. semi-analog days. <laughs> yeah, so try it
2: out, and uh, and um, you, you can learn a lot on, on our website. We have a podcast where we talk about how to interpret all these numbers, like mm. you know, what's a good HRV number. So um, we have our own show. where It's called Data-Driven Health Radio, mm. where we bring on experts to help demystify the numbers for people, and um, we, we write a lot of blog content to help people – understand their numbers better and i'm always reachable at dave at heads of com.
0: that's awesome is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we sign off for today
2: no i hope this was helpful and um thank you for the opportunity
0: absolutely thank you so much yeah that's it folks thanks for listening as always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.